welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 24th of October 2010, entitled The Horror of a Haunted House, and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, if you'd like to open your Bibles this evening for our scripture reading, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word from Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 43. The Word of God says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. When he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Father, we thank you again this evening, Lord, that we have this time to look into your word together. And we are so aware, Lord, that if Anything is to be accomplished here this evening. We are totally dependent upon Thee. Father, we pray that through the anointing of Thy Spirit that You would take and make these words alive into our hearts, Lord, that You might speak to each and every need that is here this evening. And Father, that each and every one of us, Lord, would be receptive and responsive to that which You have for us. We'll give You all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I did mention to you last week that, God willing, that I would be speaking to you this evening on the thought of the horror of a haunted house. And of course, Halloween is a time of the year which uh, comes next Sunday as we're gathered here in God's house. Many will be celebrating this holiday called Halloween. Now, I guess that so many people in our secular society particularly believe that Halloween is nothing more than just a harmless festival that allows kids to go around and dress up and have a laugh and collect sweets and things that they can gather up and gorge themselves on. But I just want to ask you a simple question as we look into God's Word this evening, and at the end of it, you can answer it for yourself, because it's easy enough for me to give you my answer, but what's important is your answer to it. You know, what is Halloween all about? Is it really just a harmless festival for people to dress up and have fun? Well, like most holidays in our times, if you really start doing some research and you start looking, you'll find all kinds of different answers as to its origin and where it came from and how it began and lots of things to go along with it. But there are some common links in all of it if you begin to look. And of course, there is probably no doubt that this thing called Halloween is one of the oldest holidays that is still celebrated today. It's also a very popular holiday, particularly with the youngsters, because they love getting bags of sweets. And it seems like a fun thing to do. But of course, I won't go into all of the history, because that's not why we are here this evening. It's celebrated on October the 31st, because that is the last day of the Celtic calendar. And the origins of Halloween probably go back some 2,000 years to Celtic times, and most would believe that it was, of course, began with the Druids and All Hallows' Eve and all of these things. We find that as we look back and realize that even during some of that, quote, unquote, the church had its part in it, calling it All Saints' Day. And we find that so many times as we look around us that there's so many things that would just naturally make us feel comfortable and at ease with these things. 
I remember telling you the story once before a few years back, and I'm not going to tell the whole thing again, but I guess that, of course, one of the most iconic things for Halloween is the jack-o'-lantern. Now, I realize that we Yanks, we Americans are responsible for a lot of the evils of this world. Of course, if you go across the pond to the United States of America, most of them will tell you that most of it comes from another country on its western edge called California. <laughs> and they're responsible for all the bad stuff that spreads everywhere else across the nation. But unfortunately, Halloween is one that you can't blame on us. But the Americans do one good thing with most of these things, regardless of whether they're good or bad. They do a real good job of marketing them and fixing them up to where they'll make lots and lots and lots of money. Actually, when the British forefathers that founded America went across the ocean, it was actually outlawed. It wasn't even allowed <laughs> that Halloween could be celebrated in that nation because of its origins and what it was that it was celebrating. It said that it was really during the potato famine when literally hundreds of thousands of Irish went across to the States that they brought with them the celebration of Halloween that then took off there. And of course, that's where the jack-o'-lantern, guess what the guy's name was that the jack-o'-lantern came from? His name was Jack, of course. <laughs> and of course, I won't tell you the whole story, but basically, in, in, in a nutshell, this Irishman named Jack, he was a bad drunkard and he was a bad guy. And man, he kept getting in trouble. And finally, finally, he was so drunk one night that the devil came just to take him on out of there. As a matter of fact, he was ready to kick the bucket. But he made a deal. He tricked Satan. And this happened a couple of years running when he kept pulling various tricks, whether it was making Satan, getting talking Satan into turning into a, to a coin so that he could pay for his drink and then turn back, or whether it was to climb up in a tree and then put a cross on the bottom of it so that the devil couldn't come back down and all of these things. But in the end, he got Satan in this tree and he promised him that in order for him to come down, that he had to promise him that he would never, ever, ever have anything to do with him again. Well, Jack died. You can imagine his reception when he got to the pearly gates. <laughs> they weren't about to let him into heaven. But then he goes to the other place, the place of torment, that place called hell, where the devil was there at the reception. Well, the devil wouldn't let him in either because he had made a promise that he wouldn't have anything to do with him ever again. So this poor soul, Jack, the devil felt sorry for him, and he tossed him one of the embers from the pits of hell. And Jack took this ember and he put it inside of a turnip. And this was what this poor lost soul that couldn't get into heaven, couldn't get into hell, that was left to wander the world with this turnip with a coal from hell in it. Well, it remained for many, many years one of the iconic things in Halloween in Irish lore. When it got across to the States, the turnip got turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> I guess they could make more money because you can sell a pumpkin for more than you can a turnip and you can get bigger candles inside of it as well. But basically the same thing. That's, you know, I mean, there's all kind of things. That's, that's the most popular. And of course, now people go around and you go into the supermarkets and you see all these lighted jack-o'-lanterns and people build them and set them out and do all these things with them. And, and of course, it's just innocent fun. And yet, in fact, that's not what it was celebrating at all. I heard one preacher say one time that many people talk about all the trick or treat of Halloween. He said it this way. He said, Halloween is a trick of the devil and a treat to the devil. And that's about the size of it, folks. It's a wicked work of the devil. I also read somewhere where it talks about all the masks. And, of course, it's just, just an innocent, fun thing to dress up as a goblin or a ghost or a witch or some horrible thing because what's Halloween really all about? Scaring people. The scarier you can look, the better that it is. But the greatest mask of all in Halloween is the mask that Satan has put over it to show us how innocent and how harmless that it really, really is. We can say many things. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he said, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power 
and of love and of a sound mind. We know that as we get closer to the time of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that I preach and I believe with all my heart that that time is soon and very soon. And the simple word of God tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, now the Spirit, Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, and what's the rest of it? Giving heed to seducing spirits, small s there, not God's Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, seducing spirits, and what's the next three words in your Bible? Doctrines of devils, the teachings of Satan himself. Of course, one of the common factors that people love when celebrating Halloween is haunted houses. The scarier you can make them, the better. You want to scare people out of their skin. You want people to, to faint and fall over and scream as loud as they possibly can. And that's the whole object behind them. And people pay big money to go into these places just to have the wits scared out of them. Of course, if it doesn't scare them enough, then it's not worth it. But of course, this all comes from people's belief in haunted houses. Is there really such a thing as a haunted house? Well, I want to show you some things in Scripture tonight. And my purpose is this, folks. Next Sunday is Halloween. I'm preaching this tonight, not then. Because I don't know if anybody is under the sound of my voice that will be celebrating Halloween or not. But if you choose to celebrate it in any way, shape, or form, or any fashion, I want you to do so with the knowledge of God's Word and what it is that you are doing. Because I just simply want to say, I do not for a moment believe that it's harmless. I do not believe that it's innocent fun, though I do recognize there are a lot of people that are believing the mask that's been put over it, that does simply believe that it's just harmless fun, that it's just a laugh. But I want us to see from the Word of God this evening, there is such a thing as a haunted house, but it's not what man would have us to believe. You see, we need to recognize something first of all. And I simply call it the reality of the evil spirits. Is there really evil spirits in this world? Well, there are. I'm not going to take time this evening to read all the verses. If you want to jot them down, you can go check it out for yourself. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4, the Bible tells us that there were giants in the land. We find that the root of the word monster and giant comes from the same thing anyway. The giant, his name was Goliath. And, of course, we know from Scripture that he was kind of strange anyway because not only was he big and tall, but he had, instead of five fingers and five toes, he had six fingers and six toes. He was a strange-looking fellow. So giants are real. What about in Lamentations chapter 4 and verse 3? According to that, sea monsters are real. There is such a thing. As sea monsters. In Job, two places, in Job chapter 40, if you read verses 15 to 24, you'll find something there called behemoth. And in the next chapter, chapter 41, verse 1, you'll find Leviathan. Those are dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are real, big creatures. Revelation chapter 9 tells us something else. It tells us that there's such a thing as mutations. Well, you can't live very long and have your eyes on the telly much these days if you watch the ungodly thing anyway enough to recognize that you know, mutations are simply made to be something harmful and innocent for the kids. Revelation 9 describes the mutations that will come from the pit, locusts with scorpion tails, horsemen with faces like lions and hair like women. Folks, they're real. They're physical. They are material monsters upon this earth that will be released from the pit in God's timing. 
Daniel chapter 4, verse 33, Nebuchadnezzar was turned into part man and part beast, part monster. He ate grass like an ox, the Bible says. His hair grew like an eagle's feathers, and the nails were like a bird's claw. You see, in Revelation chapter 13, the Bible tells us about beasts and dragons there. We know that these people that make all their money off of their Hollywood movies, horror movie makers, they, they get wealthy all of this. They try to make the movies as scary as they can. But open up God's Word and read what it says about the beast and the dragons in Revelation chapter 13. Most of them think that can't be real because something can't really be that horrible. The truth is, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 19 to 22, the Apostle Paul said that their idols were devils. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that if Halloween were nothing except just a little bit of mischief, that in itself would be bad enough. Even if it were really just make-believe, as our children are taught, but what I'm saying to you folks, the things that they're dressing up like, the things that they're acting like, the things that they're having fun with, they're not make-believe. They are as real as you and I are this evening. And it's not just real. It is very, very dangerous. They're not the kind of things to play around with like toys. You know what I think the scariest monster of all is in Scripture? The one you don't recognize as a monster. It's not the werewolf. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing. Not the one that looks scary. It's the one that gets up there. Sometimes they're even standing in the pulpit. They're dressed nice. They're supposed to have all this intelligence. And yet, they would tell you. But all this doesn't really matter. It's just a bit of fun. Well, I'm saying to you that they're very real indeed. And what does our Scripture text say to us here in the first verse? In verse 43, it says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. You see, we know that an unclean spirit is real because God's Word tells us about the unclean spirit. You see, the problem is today we either have extremes. We either have those that would tell you that none of it's real at all. Or we have those that see a demon under every rock and think that every problem that you have and every trouble and every bad habit and everything else that you have is some demon's fault instead of their own when, in fact... <laughs> Most of it, their flesh is sinful enough to be problem enough for them. The unclean spirits. Folks, the unclean spirits that are spoken of here, we would oftentimes refer to them as demons, as devils, as the fallen angels that fell with Lucifer. And I want to assure you of this. We need to grasp one thing, whatever Whatever your thoughts on Halloween, you better understand that evil spirits are real. They're not just make-believe. They're not just a little bit of fun. They are very, very real indeed. And the fact of celebrating Halloween is just simply glorifying the greatest enemy that we have in this world. It's playing around with a very, very dangerous individual. I'm sure you've all heard the old adage. If you play with fire, what happens? You're going to get burned. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. So first, first thing this evening, when we're thinking about the horror of a haunted house, I want you to recognize one thing is for certain. 
We're not talking about a little bit of make-believe fun here. The things that are being glorified and built up are very real and very evil. As a matter of fact, more evil than most of their minds can even begin to imagine. So if these spirits are real, the next thing I want to ask you is, where are they? Not only the reality of these spirits, but the residence of them. Where do they live? Well, what did it say in verse 43? When the unclean spirit is gone out of the man. Is that hard to understand? He was inside the man. We're reading about something that takes place when he goes out of that man. I want you to notice something else in verse 44. This is the unclean spirit speaking. Then he, the unclean spirit, saith, I will return into, what's the next two words in your Bible? My house. My house. He came out of a man. And the evil spirit himself is claiming that man, is claiming his body as his house his place of residence. Folks, we're not talking about Casper the friendly ghost here. We're not talking about just some fun and make-believe. We have a whole lot of talk today about poltergeist and ghost and all of this stuff that's going on that people can't explain. Well, you can believe what you want to believe, but I know this from what the Bible teaches, that if there are spirits around, I do not believe that they are the spirits of our departed ones. I only find two places that the spirit of man can go when it leaves this world. One, he can go into the arms of Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for a believer. Folks, there is no more in between. And of course, the rich man lifted up his eyes being in what? Torment. Now, you can read all through your Bible. You find people dying, you find people leaving, but nowhere in the Word of God do we find a spirit of a human being staying behind on earth and just hanging about whether he's here to play games or whether he's here to, to go back and haunt somebody or whether he's here to, to get revenge on somebody. It's just not there. The Scriptures themselves teach us that unclean spirits are real. The Scriptures teach us themselves that they're not only real, but they live inside of people and they make claim to that as being their house, as being their place of residence. Folks, that's the real haunted house. The haunted houses of this world are not built of mortar. They're not built of wood and sticks. They are people that are walking around that have the unclean spirits living and dwelling within their body. Satan is referred to several times in the Bible as the prince of devils, the prince of the devils. We would many times refer to those devils as demons when we speak of them. Most of the time in the Word of God, they're just called devils, pure and simple. These demons, these devils, they are the evil spirits. They're malicious they're under Satan's authority who only wants to destroy. And these demons, these devils, these unclean spirits, they often dwell in the bodies of unbelievers. Now, I can take you to Scripture, and I'll be glad to sit down with you. I do not for a moment believe that one of these evil spirits can take up residence in a believer that's got the blood of Jesus Christ as his seal, that Jesus Christ himself is living in there. He's not going to live in the same place with Jesus. He's not going to want to be in the same place as Jesus is. But in the life of an unbeliever, oh, yes. Matter of fact, I believe that both much of the physical and the emotional illnesses that we see around us today in the human bodies are because those people are indwelt by unclean spirits. We find that they're a primary source that being made many times 
going on in the world today as we look around us, we see as we saw that the Scriptures pointed out to us in one of our first Scriptures there in 1 Timothy that this evil is going to increase. Well, I simply would say to you this evening, as you look around at the drugs and the violence and the pornography and the witchcraft and the, the illicit sex and the murder and the child abuse and the family member killing family member and all these things that are too horrific for us to think about, folks, it is none other than these unclean spirits that have taken up dwelling within people as their house, as their place of residence. They're living through them. You can open your ears. And I know it's not popular, and people say you're, you're meddling. Just, just listen to the vast majority of the music of our day and see how that it's been infiltrated. Oh, the beat might be good, and the rhythm might sound good, and you might like it, and God forbid, your pastor might even be able to enjoy some of those tunes. But just open your ears to what they're singing about. Listen to what they're building up. They're making what God gives us as one of the most beautiful things of love in the Word of God. They're making it into nothing except illicit sex and lust. They're building up the things of this world to make you think that's what you need to be happy. That's what you need to keep going. Listen to what they're saying. The evil spirits are running rampant. And it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy some of those things. Your flesh can still enjoy. You just better realize what you're playing with because you're playing with fire. You're playing with fire. We find that the influence runs right through. I won't tell anybody. How many of you still like to watch cartoons? <laughs> Amazing how you never get too old for some of those children's cartoons. Boy, cartoons have changed a lot in the last 20 or 30 years, though. <laughs> what used to be fun and a little bit of a laugh, the evil has penetrated then. We see the violence and the murder and the killing and all these things going on right there, being made as innocent fun for our children. You see, look around at the toys, <laughs> Look at the kind of toys that they try to market and sell you for your children to play with. I'm saying, folks, these evil spirits are rampant. They are real. God tells us they are real. And God tells us clearly in His Word where that they can live and claim as their own house, as their own place of residence. You know what? We could ask ourselves this, if Jesus Christ himself took these devils, these demons, these unclean spirits, if he took them seriously, don't you maybe think we ought to? Wouldn't it be a good idea for us to at least think of them in the same light that he did? You know that if you look through the scriptures that these devils, these unclean spirits are, are mentioned in over half of the New Testament books? God tells us something about them and their existence. Oh, I realize, as you go around the world today, in our Western civilized societies, most of it's done undercover. They try to make it not so obvious. You know, you go to some of the third world countries and go out into some of these jungles where they're practicing the occult and all of these things, it's very blatant in your face. but it's getting more blatant in our faces as well. For some reason, they don't feel they have to be quite so subtle anymore. Astrology, palm reading, regression therapy, new age thinking. Folks, I'm saying to you, it's all the devil's work. It's all around us, and people think it's just innocent stuff. It's all the devil's handiwork. Many worship Satan openly. I mean, they actually have the audacity to set up their own churches to worship Satan. They openly, blatantly 
make him their God. You know, Adolf Hitler called it the Nazi Party. The Nazi Party was the name change from the Thule Society, which had all of its roots in the occult. Anybody recognize the name Westcott and Hort? Yeah, they're kind of responsible for many of those Bibles that people are reading today. Do you know that they had their own ghostly guild? Matter of fact, they're also reputed not only for their Greek New Testament, but in many places they're also reputed as the fathers of much of today's channeling, as we hear it called, from their ghostly guilds all around the world. The American Indians thought that the ghosts were in the trees. What is an unclean spirit? Well, I'll give you another word for it. We have the Holy Spirit, which is everything that's right and godly and beautiful. And we have the unholy spirits, just the opposite of what God is. When you think of love and all the beauty that you see with God, the unclean spirit is the unholy spirit. <laughs> He's to make it as, as low and defile it as much as he possibly can. And you can go right through the list. Why do we see the things that we see? Because of these unholy spirits that are the total opposite of just exactly what our God is. It's clear from our text here that these unclean spirits, they'd like to have their residence in the body of a human they like to dwell in bodies. Again, for time, we won't. But Mark chapter 5 also records the story of the maniac of Gadara, which most of you will be very familiar with. And of course, when those unclean spirits, when those devils knew that they were about to be cast out of the man, they wanted to go into the swine rather than to be left out of a body altogether. We find that in our text, when the unclean spirit left this man, the Bible says he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. I do want to turn back and read this passage in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, I think this is very relevant to what we're talking about when we talk about the innocence of Halloween. And I know, listen, I know whether you're here tonight or whether they may be others that will end up listening to this via podcast or whatever. And I know that many will say, oh, preacher, you're just over the hill. You're just old-fashioned. These things are so innocent. These things are just fun. Well, I'm just challenging you to go to God's Word and to see if you can still have that same conclusion. In Deuteronomy... Chapter 18, I want to begin reading in verse 9 and read through verses 14. The Word of God, again, notice, he's speaking here. He says, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now he's talking to his people. When they come into the land, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Now you're coming into this land, but you're not to learn to follow their abominations. What is that? He says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. That was part of the practice of the occults of that day. Or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, which is those that would bring the dead back, would bring those spirits of those that have gone to, to come back. Folks, he's covered just about anything that you can imagine with those that would try to believe that they can have anything to do with departed souls, departed spirits of humans that leave this world. He says they're not to have anything to do with any of them. For all that do these things are an abomination 
unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. Folks, we ought to know better. Yes, they're all around us in the land that we are. The Bible says they are an abomination to God, and if we have anything to do with them, that's an abomination to God. People would have us to believe that it's all in innocence. What's one of the, I guess, biggest blockbusters to hit the TV for young people in recent years? Anybody tell me? Harry Potter? <laughs> just some more innocent fun. He's just a wizard. <laughs> I realize people have read it and people watch it just for entertainment. I'm saying, folks, Rick, Realize and recognize what you're playing with and what you're playing at. That's not the kind of thing you need to have fun with. It's not the kind of thing that you need to be messing around with just for fun, just for enjoyment. The Bible says if you have anything to do that, it is an abomination to God. Oh, they try to just put the mask over it. Just innocent fun and entertainment. You need to realize something. The Bible speaks of the lost man as being dead. You see, spiritually, he's dead. Spiritually, he's dead. In other words, nobody's at home. Nobody's at home in that house that you live in, that body, that tabernacle, that tent that you're living in. Because spiritually, it's death. There's a void. There's an emptiness. You know what? Very simple. If Jesus doesn't take up residence there, you're just opening the door for somebody else to. I'm not trying to say this to scare you. I'm saying realize the facts. Unclean spirits are real. And unclean spirits like to take up their residence in people. And unless Jesus Christ is living there, then there's nobody home. And you're just an open door for them to come in and to make their residence within you. That's not to scare you. That's the truth from the Word of God. That's just the way things are. I wonder this evening, are you ready for guests like that to move into your house? <laughs> Are you ready for them to come and take up residence within you and be able to call you their home? Oh, but preacher, I wouldn't let that happen. There's no way. You know, I mean, I'm, I've, I've seen some of those crazy people. I can never, ever do things like that. Well, notice what happened here to this guy in the reading of our Scripture. You see, the evil one, this evil spirit had left out of him. And he's the one that said that he was going to go back to his house from where he had come out. But notice the next word. And when he has come, he findeth it empty. Why? Because the Lord wasn't there. What else does he find? Swept and garnished. <laughs> he tried to clean himself up. <laughs> He tried to cut out all those old bad habits, Brother Mick. You know, this is reformation that's taking place in this individual. He's a reformed man. The evil spirit's gone out. There had to be some kind of relief. It was kind of like, you know, I thought when I read that, you know what happened at home? And I know most of you, does anybody still know what a broom is? <laughs> Not many people have to use them anymore because everything's hoovered now. But you know, if you... If you had a floor that you still had to sweep, and you were sweeping that floor, but you never mopped it, you'd sweep up, you know, that gets the worst of it up. But what's going to happen gradually? It's going to get grungier 
and grungier and grungier because you're only partially cleaning it. I said, well, that's, that's kind of what this, the Bible doesn't say that he, that he mopped it and sterilized it. All he was doing was trying to sweep the rest of that dirt out. He could tell that it was dirty. He was sweeping it out, but he didn't have what it took to really clean it. He didn't have what he needed to do a good job. So we find that this evil spirit had just kind of, he had taken his holiday. I mean, you know, I don't know anybody in the world that loves their holidays more than British folks do. They love their holiday. I mean, they'll give up everything else they're going to save for that holiday many times. Well, this evil spirit just decided to take his holiday. And he was out there wandering around, and the Bible says that he came back then one day. But when he came back, oh, whoa, this place has been cleaned up while I was gone. I mean, you know, he must have went out, maybe went out and joined the Boy Scouts or the Masons or might even have joined a church. You know, he cleaned his act up. This evil spirit comes back and, whoa, you know, what's taking place here? Simple truth is this. People can try to reform, but it never lasts. I'm, I don't have time to go into the history. But you go back and you can read about Marilyn Manson and Alice Cooper and a lot of these others. <laughs> Folks, evil breeds more evil. Debauchery breeds more debauchery. We find that many are made this way today. We live in a day of, and again, I'm between them and God, but, you know, I, I, I hear and read so much as a pastor about all this seeker-sensitive stuff. And I know that some people mean well by it, but, but basically they're, they're, they're wanting people to feel comfortable with who they are and where they are. They're even sometimes bringing them in and trying to get them to whisper some magic prayer that'll just take all their problems away, that'll lead them to this more fulfilled life in Christianity. I know some mean well, but you know the problem is many times they do get their act cleaned up for a while. They may clean up lots of things, they may even go out and find them a, a husband or a wife, you know, that's, that's just as good a person as they are, and they do all these things. The problem is they fall along the way. Why? Because they were just looking for a more fulfilled life. They weren't looking for forgiveness. They never, ever had to face their sin. You know, I don't get any joy out of making anybody feel bad about their sin. What kind of joy could that possibly give me? What I do get joy out of, because I realize the sin's there in all of us. You're not any different from me or anybody else. The joy is the fact that Jesus Christ will clean away that sin. It won't be just you sweeping it out, whether you've ever, ever had an evil spirit there or not. There's only one thing. Listen to me. There's only one thing that'll truly clean that, that grime away. And it's called the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else. It's the blood of Christ. That's the only thing that will do it. Folks, I heard years ago, I heard early in my ministry that we were living in days when there was a danger of reformation without regeneration. And I'm saying that's exactly what was happening here. The Word of God is showing us so clearly. This guy had tried, but with all the cleaning he had done, all the reforming that had took place, notice the response of this evil spirit when he came back. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they, all of them, enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. You see, the evil spirit came back to his house. He laid claim to it. Now, he'd been the only one living there before. 
You know, one roommate like that would be bad enough. But now he's gone on holiday and he's come back and now there's seven more with him. So now there's eight of them moving in into that same dwelling, that same house that he had laid claims to that there was still nobody else living there because Jesus wasn't there. The house had been cleaned up, kind of like those whitened sepulchers with dead bones on the inside. <laughs> Make it look good. But we find that when he comes back, the Bible says, <laughs> well, he brings his friends along with him, and they all move in. Matthew chapter 23, <clears throat> verse 15 Jesus says, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. Jesus said to that generation of Pharisees, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Notice what the apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's read verses 20 and 21 here. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. I made a note there, and some may not like it. And the answer, simple truth is, is that one day we will all stand before God and we will all give an answer. I'm not going to have to answer for anybody else out there in the way they do things, but I say to you simply, folks, it's better not to even give a man the gospel than to give him another gospel, than to give him a false gospel than to give him false hope, to give him anything other than what he genuinely needs in the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're doing him more harm than good. The Word of God said that, not me. In our text, in verses 43 to 45 here, Jesus was describing the spiritual condition of the generation of his day. He'd already told them a few verses back up in verses 38 and 39 that they were evil and adulterous. He told them in verses 41 and 42, one that would be condemned by the Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba in the day of judgment. He described them as a wicked generation. We find that as we look at this example of this evil spirit taking possession of this man, Jesus warned that it's not enough just to try to clean up your act, just to go through that initial period of turning away from some of those things if something isn't put there that's real in its place, which only Jesus can fill that space, unless he takes up residence. No matter how much cleaning you do, you're still going to be empty. You're still going to be open to these evil spirits. We can see so many examples in Scripture. But I just want to ask you, how can we remove that danger? How can it be removed? Well, I probably shouldn't admit that I actually know what it said. But of course, there was a, I don't know, probably a couple of movies and a TV series and everything else on some guys called Ghostbusters. And of course, then they were just making light fun. And the real theme in that thing when these ghosts were found was who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. It's even been used in TV adverts and everything else. 
Well, I'll ask you honestly this evening, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Well, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's only one that you can call on that can take care of these evil spirits. Matthew chapter 12, still, notice back just a few verses in your Bible. Verse 22, then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind man and dumb both spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? When the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? If I by Beelzebub cast out the devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Folks, you can't take on that strong man yourself. He needs to be bound. He needs to be dealt with. And that's something that's beyond your strength. You see, there could be somebody here this evening. There could be somebody under the sound of our voice out there somewhere else. Right now, right now you're living in a haunted house. Right now, the evil spirit has control of your life. Well, you don't have to fear if Jesus is there. But he's the only one that can get rid of him. He's the only one that can cast him out and give you that assurance that he can never come back again. But you know what? Even if you don't think that that evil spirit is living and dwelling within you, I can tell you this. If Jesus Christ isn't there, then your door's standing wide open to this kind of guest. It is, folks. There is nothing you can do. Read God's Word. What does He say? There is nothing you can do. This one left. This guy tried to clean it up and make it look good. But when he came back, he just came back with more friends. You can't do this job yourself. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, But if the Spirit, Holy Spirit, of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. You see, you need another ghost in your life. He's called the Holy Ghost. You need a Spirit with the capital S that's living and dwelling within you so that these spirits with the little less have no entrance whatsoever. 2 Timothy 1.14 says, That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. 1 John 4.4 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Some feel that there's no hope. Folks, with Jesus, there's always hope. There's always hope. Mark 5, we read about, I mean, he had a legion in him. That wasn't too much. That wasn't too much for the Lord. Bible tells us we are a new creation in him. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You never passed hope for him. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, The Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus, he'll deliver you right out of that kingdom of darkness. 
translates you right in to the kingdom of light. See, every haunted house I've ever seen, it's got a door. It's got a door. The truth is today is the door to this haunted house is called a heart. That's how Jesus, Bible says, Christians, he's standing there at the door knocking. If you'll open up, he'll come in. He'll sup with you. Lost person, I can promise you from everything that we've seen this evening that the Lord wants to come into your life. He wants to take up residence in you. Now, I want to leave you with these simple thoughts this evening. You see, on the one hand, I just want to say to you, you can think I'm over the hill and that I'm just too old, that I just don't understand these new things. Folks, we believe what they tell us. Halloween's been around for a couple of thousand years. It's not new. Truth is, it hasn't changed much. started out as an evil thing tried to glorify these evil spirits, and that's still what it's about. You'll make your own choice as to whether you want to play with it and take it as innocent fun if you want to. But I'm telling you, God's given you fair warning this evening. There's nothing innocent about it. It's not where you need to be looking for fun and enjoyment. It's a dangerous thing to fool around with. It's an abomination to God to fool around with those things. And I'm saying to you this evening that what you really ought to be concerned about is this house that you call a body. Who's living in there? Is Jesus Christ at home? Has he taken up residence in you? Does the Holy Spirit live within you? Or are you empty this evening? Maybe there's one of those unholy spirits that's there. If not, maybe he's ready to come and start knocking at your door and want to come in as a guest. Mm-hmm. Saying, who do you want as a guest in your house? Do you want to be a haunted house with the evil spirits literally dwelling there? you want to be a holy house, just as the Lord has asked us to be. He's asked us to be holy as He is holy. That can only happen through the power of Christ, not through anything that you can do or I can do. I say to you as lovingly as I can this evening, folks, these are not things to play around with. These are very, very serious matters indeed. And you need to know You need to know with absolute certainty before you leave this place this evening, not whether you've said some magical prayer and became religious and tried to clean up your act. I want to know, is Jesus Christ at home in your life? Is he at home in your life right now? And you know that. If not, boy, you need to know that. You need to know that. Not only do you not need to be playing around with these things that are going to be worshipped next Sunday evening, But you don't need them out there running around able to take up residence in your house at any time, 365 days a year. You need to put a padlock on there right now. It needs to be the residence of Jesus Christ and him alone. Father, I thank you this evening. Lord, I know that I've skipped and gone over and tried to leave some of the less important things out. Lord, we've tried to just cover some things this evening. Lord, we've just skimmed the surface. Lord, tried to grasp enough to be able to help people to recognize that, Lord, having fun in games, glorifying these evil spirits is not something that we ought to be playing around with. This holiday has an evil beginning, and it's always been evil, and everything about it is celebrating evil, no matter how innocent and fun that society has tried to make it. It's all about evil. But, Father, something even more dangerous, these very spirits that are being glorified during this day, the very spirits that 
taken up residence inside of the living houses, bodies, tabernacles of people every day. Lord, I would pray for each one here this evening. There's one that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's one here that doesn't have that certainty or that they've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. Lord, I pray that they could have that confidence. Help them, Lord, to grasp it. Help each one, Lord, to have that certainty of knowing beyond anything that they belong to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.